Good morning, good morning, good morning. How y'all doing? Yeah, a few of y'all are awake. Glad to hear that. Um, once again, in case you didn't realize this, Justin's wrapping up his vacation this week, which is pretty awesome. He did have to kind of take a little break in the middle, as we say, bless his heart, for uh, a funeral that he had to come in town and do and, and then go back. But I'm excited to be able to share with you this morning. And just as a reminder, before we kick off the service, the sermon today, uh, Coming up next week, he will be back next week. We have our family experience live. Um, it's just it's for families, obviously. Hence, family experience live, right? But um, if you are three and up, we're encouraging you all to come to the eleven o'clock service with your family and uh, be a part of just an incredible stuff. It's going to be a lot of great stuff going on with this family experience, games, a great message, music. It's going to all be there. It will not be old school. And I can officially let you know that as well. So that'll be happening at 11 uh, a.m., 9.30. There'll be child care just for babies and twos up, up to that age. And then as well, if you've got babies, they'll be available for child care at 11 as well. But it's going to be an incredible kickoff to our whole summer family experience. And uh, as I said, today I get to wrap up the old school series. Part of that is probably because um, I am like one degree away from the oldest guy on staff. Um, thank you, Ray, for hanging around, buddy. Please keep it going. But um, it's, it's, it's fun. It's my, my turn to get this. Some of you guys may appreciate this. This was my, this was my really honestly, I'm going to show some age. This was my college years. You ever remember that? Those of you that don't realize, that is called a compact disc. Yes, and you would have like a, an, a notebook full because you didn't have playlists or streaming or all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that was what it was. And then for, for enjoyment, I mean, we did a lot of stuff old school. And contrary to popular belief, I did not run around with a stick and a tire rim, you know, chasing it down the street, having fun as a kid. But you know what I did want to do? I did want to do this one time. Y'all check this video out. Lock. He's off. Looking good. Looking good. Pull your feet in. Bouncing. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Is he right? Yes. yes! Yes! He made it. He made it. That's old school right there, y'all. Get in a tire tube and roll down a hill. Almost get hit by a car and land in a swimming pool. Does it get any better than that? I mean, really. But today, today as I said, we're going to wrap up the old school thing. And, and, I, and I have the opportunity to share. And, and it's a story that we want to talk about today. It's a story about loneliness and it's a story about redemption. It's a story that allows us to kind of see a little bit of ourselves in the character, in the story. And here's why it's important, because I realized this a few weeks ago. I got an email that, that showed this. Even our own Surgeon General talk, calls it an epidemic. 
He released a report about the epidemic of loneliness and isolation and proceeded to talk about how we as Americans are having to deal with this, this thing called loneliness. Further experts come along behind that. They talk about, does social media actually make you lonely? And it was interesting, the beginning of this article as I was reading it uh, tells us this. He said, yes, it does as much as like eating makes us get gain weight. It's just a matter of how much you have and how you do it in moderation as far as social media goes. But loneliness is a big deal. And as a matter of fact, neurologists, scientists tell us all that even the size of our brains, even the size of our heads are affected by the, uh, by the lack of connection or by overconnection. Now, for example, this guy right here probably doesn't have a lot of connection, right? This guy right here, he hangs around way too many people. The next guy, this guy right here, yeah. He's got a big head. In case y'all didn't notice that, that is Justin, by the way. Um, but, but it's true. It's true. The size of our brains are even affected by, uh, by this thing called connection or the lack of it, which leads to what's called loneliness. But today we're going to walk through and hear, read a story in the Old Testament in the book of 2 Samuel. Only 13 verses long today, guys, not four chapters. But Evan did a great job last week. But I can guarantee you this. I can guarantee you this 100% that not one of you in this room has ever named your kids after this guy. You've never done it. You know why? You're fixing to find out why in just a second. So here's our story. I feel like I ought to have like a, you know, a fireplace up here and a little sweet-looking sweater to put on and sit down in a chair and read this story to you. Um, and most of you sit there going, hey, I'm for the fireplace because it's cold in here. But here, here's what happens. Follow us along. One day, David asked, is there anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone whom, to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And he summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. And he said, are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is there anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show, listen to this word, God's kindness to them. You see? Ziba replied, yes. One of Jonathan's sons is still alive, and he is crippled in both feet. You see, his story really is our story in a lot of ways. And you're going to find out in, in just a minute. And you're going back to go, man, what's this guy's name? Because if you notice, even Zeba didn't tell you his first name right off the bat because of where he was and who he was. But we're talking about a guy named, are you ready for it? Guarantee you, none of you are going to name your kids Mephibosheth. Anybody? Anybody got any Mephibosheth in the old uh, family tree back there? Probably not, but really the truth of the matter is his story is our story. Because we're all a lot like Mephibosheth. And here's how. First, life had really not turned out like it was planned for him. Or even like it's planned for us. We have to go back. We've got to go back. Like I said, there's only 13 verses here. And his life, is he's gone. Without maybe one more reference later in the Old Testament. But beyond that 13 verses, he's gone. But you have to go back to to chapter 4 to hear part of his story about the beginning of his life to understand why 
he was crippled. Look what it said. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. When he was five years old, when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, this is what happened. His nurse picked him up and fled. But as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. And there it is. His name was Mephibosheth. You sit back and say, well, what's the big deal? Well, basically what had happened, what had happened was, is they were there in, the, in, in Jerusalem. And they had gotten news that there was an attacking army, an army coming from another country, from another nation. And he, they were coming down hard on them. And all they could do was pack up and leave as quick as they could. And in the process of doing that, the nurse, the nanny that took care of Mephibosheth, went to pick him up. And as the pastor says and as history shows, she fell and dropped him. And as a result, he was crippled in both of his feet for the rest of his life. So how is, you can see now, life really didn't go as planned for him. I mean, he was disabled at, and it wasn't any fault of his own. I mean, he never really signed up and said, I want to go to that class that talks about how to be crippled children. He didn't do that. And now maybe it's 20, 25 years later, and the king is now David, and he remembers. He remembers the promise he had made to Mephibosheth's dad, Jonathan. And so he seeks him out. But all along this time, this time that Mephibosheth's been there, he's been crippled his entire life. And that had become as what you may have read in the New Testament, a thorn in his life, and some of us have them. But I saw this quote about thorns that actually my wife Perry shared with me. It says this, there's no timeline to the life expectancy of the thorn. In other words, we have these difficulties of things that happen in our life that we, that we don't, that happen to us that we don't know now. But here's the good news. God is present and so is the thorn. In the midst of that, and this is what Mephibosheth really doesn't know right now. But as we follow on, as we continue on the story, we begin to see, he begins to hear it. So our story continues. David says this, where is he? The king asked. He's in Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Maker, the son of Amiel. Lodabar literally means no pasture. He was in nowhere, basically. And for, for nearly 25 years, he had been there in this place they the reason they called it no pasture is literally because there was nothing there. There was nothing there to grow crops. There was nothing there to feed animals. It was a wasteland. And it was the home of those who wanted to get away. It was kind of like, if you remember, it was the island of misfit toys. And that's where he was stuck. And some of us are like that. We're like that. I mean, we were young and we started out our lives and we had everything planned. We knew exactly what we wanted to do. I love it. And, and if you're a high school senior heading off to college, man, congratulations. It's fantastic. It's always fun to say, hey, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going I'm to major in advanced engineering with a minor in neurology and da 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 
And then like three years later, you go, hey, dude, how you doing, man? Yeah, what are you studying now? Oh, uh, general studies. <laughs> no, but, but because it happens like that. I mean, life just goes on, and then one day we look around and we ask the question, man, how did I give up on my dreams? What happened? I mean, we had this image maybe of, of what our marriage was going to look like, and we were going to be that perfect couple. And then divorce wasn't in the picture as we painted it anyway. And we're left with this life. Maybe you're 17, you got mixed up in, in something with maybe the wrong crew, running with the wrong people. And one night it went a little south in the wrong way and things got out of control. And now you've got this thing on your record that follows you around the rest of your life. And life doesn't always go according to the plan. And now, we're all alone in nowhere. We're there. I mean, you've met people like that. You've heard their stories. Man, I was going to do this and this and this. I had this plan, but then all of a sudden I ended up over here. All of a sudden this happened. Maybe that's you. Maybe the story of your life right now is, here I was. I had these great plans. I was going to go here and here and here. And you've heard it. The next line goes like this. And then I ended up in Shreveport, Louisiana. Then I ended up in Shreveport, Bossier. And this is where my life is. I mean, some of us would prefer that. I mean, some of us like being in nowhere. Some of us like it for the isolation, for the, for the thrill. Maybe you can identify with this guy in this video and see if this is you. Yes! Down the size and a half! And this time, I'll keep it off. Get the stick! Get the stick! There's no stick. I'm smarter. Any calls? You have no messages. Odd. Better check the outgoing. If you utter so much as one syllable, I'll hunt you down and gut you like a fish. If you'd like to fax me, press the star key. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's more like it. Mm. Excellent, yeah. I'll tell you, Max, I don't know why I ever leave this place. I've got all the company I need right here. Hello! Hello! How are you? How are you? How are you? I asked you first. I asked you first. Oh, that's really mature, saying exactly what I can. 
idiot! because I'm bored. Yeah, some of us end up in nowhere and like it. But in Mephibosheth's story, he was there and it was not of his own choosing. He had ended up there and life had not gone according to his plan. Maybe that's you. I've been there before my, myself and understand that. Another way that we're a lot like Mephibosheth is this. People that he trusted in his life had let him down. Those that he trusted in his life had let him down. His, his nurse literally let him down. His family had abandoned him. I mean, you, you heard, you saw in the earlier verse when David asked Ziba about it, he didn't even say his name. He just said, yeah, Jonathan's got a, a son that's crippled somewhere. And there was no one left to take care of him. And I mean, it's that way. I mean, hey, guys, if anybody can know what being let down's life like, uh, this guy right here. I mean, because, hey, I'm a Cowboys fan. I mean... That was even the latest of those. And I know you guys are kind of getting a little chuckled, but hey, before you go too far, you ain't been far from this for a while, though. You know what I'm saying? But we all understand it. When our favorite team lets us down, when our family lets us down, maybe there, there are people in your life, there are people in my life maybe that you've looked at and you've said, man, they're going to be with me to the end. And they said that, and then all of a sudden they weren't there. They said they'd be faithful to you through thick and thin, and then for whatever reason, they've betrayed you. They've walked out on you. They said, till death do us part, but what they really meant was till death do us part. And all of a sudden, you've been let down. All of us have done that. And we've all let someone else down. Matter of fact, the writer of Romans, Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, said it this way, for everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's one thing that's true of every person in this room, is that we've all let someone else's down. We've all let someone else down. And in Mephibosheth's mind, when Ziba shows up to bring him back to Jerusalem, he had this understanding that he literally was a dead man limping. Because what you don't understand is this, is kings, whenever they would come in and take over a country, I mean, their basic plan was to eliminate the competition. I mean, it was kind of like this guy right here. You know what I mean? They were there. They were ready to, in his mind, in Mephibosheth's mind, he was a dead man. 
Why is he looking for me? How did he finally find me? I thought I was hiding in a place that no one could see me. And even though people have let me down, now I've got to go back and do what? Be killed. But he never could have been further from the truth because here's the third way we're all like Mephibosheth. There was a good king who wanted to show him kindness. There was a good king who wanted to show him kindness. Here's how the story goes. It continues this way. It says, when he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I'm your servant. So he already knew he was, he was there and he was bowing down and he knew I better play this right or else I'm a dead man. But the story goes on. Look what David said. Don't, don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show you kindness. I intend to show it to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. And here's how he said it. He said, I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. Did you notice what David first said? What did he say? He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Have you heard that before? I mean, remember if you read the story, there were some shepherds sitting on the side of a hill and some angels started a rock concert and they got scared to death. And what did they say? Don't be afraid. David himself had, sitting, had sat and he had written many songs to God and one that we know so well is Psalm 23 where he said even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I won't be afraid and that's our word to us is that we don't need to be afraid we don't need to fear why because there's a good king that wants to do good for you he wants to show kindness. I love Andy Stanley's definition of kindness. It says this, kindness is loaning someone else your strength without reminding them of their weakness. And at this point, David comes to Mephibosheth and he says, look, I got a, I got a plan for you. I got to deal. Everything that was your grandfather's, all the property that was his is yours. And not only that, you're going to come and you're going to eat at my table. You're going to eat at the king's table. And look at Mephibosheth's response. At first he says this. He says, who is your servant? Who am I? Who are you that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? One thing I forgot to tell you about Mephibosheth, and in that culture, in that time frame, when parents would name children, it was usually something about their character or something about the, the feeling that they had, that they would give them a name. And Mephibosheth's name literally means from the mouth of shame. Now think about that. Think about that because for nearly 30 years, all he's heard is shame. Oh, that's Mephibosheth. He's a loser. That's who he is. Brene Brown speaks about shame when she says this. Shame is the, is the intensely 
painful feeling or experience of believing, look what it says, that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of being loved and belonging. Have you felt shame in your life? I've talked about it before, but shame is that thing that, that it gives us that sense, as it says, of believing that we're flawed. You know, guilt says, I made a mistake. Shame says, I am a mistake. And for Mephibosheth, all of his life, that's all he heard. Was you, you're from the mouth of shame. And for us, we may feel that, and we may work full time to try to cover up that shame in our life. But shame leaves us in Lodabar. Shame leaves us there, and we never really make it to Jerusalem. But David says, I want to show some kindness to you, Mephibosheth. The word kindness there, it really literally is translated grace. If you look over in the New Testament part of the Bible, that word grace is the same word that's used for kindness here. And he said, I want to show you some grace in your life. How did that grace show up in Mephibosheth's life? Well, he, first he moved from nowhere to the palace. I mean, think about that. He went from living in this place that was a wasteland uh, to the, the best place that anyone could ever know of or imagine, the king's palace, Jerusalem. And not only that, he, he had a seat at the table. Now wrap your head around this for a while. Imagine coming to the table and you're sitting there and there's, there's Absalom and there's David's daughter and, there, and there's King David and you want to go, man, David, tell me. Tell me the story again about the, the, the big guy. Yeah, Goliath. How'd you take him out? And it's important to understand how, how real this was for David because four times, four times in this passage he says, I'm going to show you kindness, and he will eat at my table. Four times he says that. So he wants to make sure you're very clear on this. This truth here, our past doesn't determine our destiny. Whatever you've gone through in your past, the shame that you may feel, understand there is a good king who wants to show you kindness. He wants to show you grace in your life. And it's not based on anything that you did. It wasn't based on anything that Mephibosheth did. His kindness was based on a promise. David said, I'm going to show you based on the promise that I made with your father, Jonathan. And I want you to know this. There's a good king who long ago looked at your world, looked into your life. And he said, not because of who you are, what you've done, because of, but I'm doing it on a promise. I'm doing it on a covenant. And that covenant, yeah, involves the shedding of blood, but it's not going to be your blood anymore. It's not going to be the blood of animals. It's going to be the blood of my one and only son on the cross. So why? So that you can have life. So that you can deal and understand what it's like not to live in Lodabar anymore, 
but to live in Jerusalem. Not to live in nowhere, but to be somewhere. Not to be a nobody, but to be a somebody. And it's all based on a promise. Maybe you don't understand that and maybe you need to be reminded. So I want to share this video with you to remind us all of just some of the promises that God has made to you and to me. Check us out. I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. I am working all things for your good. I will withhold no good thing from you. I am your shield and your great reward. I am your light and your salvation. I am the stronghold of your life. I will give you eternal life. I will give you abundant life. I will give you peace. I will give you rest. I will give good gifts to those who ask me, and I will give strength to the weary, power to the weak. I am close to the brokenhearted, and I will comfort those who mourn. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I will hear you, forgive you, and heal you. I will be found by those who seek me. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will do whatever you ask in my name. I will listen to you. I will fight for you. I will set you free, and I will not change. I will redeem your life from the pit and crown you with love and compassion. I will finish the good work I have begun in you. I will never blot your name out of the book of life. I will come back and take you to be with me. I will deliver you and you will honor me. You brought with you, you believe it. 
the prisoner and the soldier, to the young and to the older, all who hunger, all who thirst, all the last and all the first, all the paupers and the princes, all who fail, you've been forgiven, all who dream and all who suffer. that song come and sit down at the table and I can't help but think of the time in my own life when I realized that that was the invitation that it wasn't a God who was angry it wasn't the Game of Thrones God that was going to come in and clean my clock but it was a God who was full of love and compassion as it says, the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, that leads us to change. And I, I love how the story ends. Look at the verse. I love it. It said, And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. And it wasn't a fairy tale, but they did live all did live happily ever after. And I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe you're, maybe you're online and you're watching this and you are in nowhere. And you've experienced this shame. And I want you to understand that there's a God who is here. There's a good king who wants to show you kindness. And he wants you to come to the table. And here's the truth about Mephibosheth's life. Once he sat at the king's table, his condition was hidden by his position at the table. Wrap your mind around that for just a second. Wrap your heart around that for a second. His condition was hidden by his position at the table. And that, my friend, is called grace. Would you pray with me? There is no doubt maybe you're here and this has been your story. Now, you may not have limped in here physically, but maybe emotionally. It was all you could do just to bring yourself up. Maybe it was all you could do to sit down this morning and, 
turn on simple church. But understand this. There is 